0: I mean, where is this study going? I mean, where are you taking us with this study? So if you don't mind, you know, you don't have to worry about locating your ticket. If you just follow along, we're going to all get there together. But uh, the question will be, where are we going? And we'll address some of that this morning because for many of us, um, we realize that the study of, of rewards, and anytime we mention the word works, I mean, it's like a defense mechanism jumps up in our mind. Works, Oh, flash, trouble, danger. Because we're afraid that if we start talking about works, that it will confuse the essence of the gospel that we've been saved by grace. So it's time for our weekly disclaimer. You ever watch sporting events? They have that weekly disclaimer. I mean, if you, how many of you know what that disclaimer is? You know which one I mean? Um, you know, that's the whole problem with disclaimers. It's like, you know which one I'm talking about? The one about um, without the express written consent? I, I just pick it up about that point. How does that start? I don't know. Without the express written consent of the National Football League and the whatever, uh, this is is strictly prohibited. Well, I mean, you know what? We hear that if you ever what I mean, it's like every game they say that. Okay, so don't make this disclaimer like that disclaimer, and that you hear it all the time, but you don't listen to it. This is the weekly disclaimer on our series in rewards. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God lest anyone should boast. Please don't misunderstand. From the very beginning, I've tried to make this disclaimer very clear. Each week, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. There is nothing that you and I can do to earn God's grace. It's by faith in what He has done through Jesus Christ. Okay? No good works in the world will ever get you to heaven. We saw that last week where they said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things in your name? And Jesus said, hey, I never knew you. You're gone. So that's the disclaimer, okay? Let's not get, let's not get confused. So we're going to talk about works, and the problem is we need to understand works. A lot of us are really wrestling with what works are all about. And I think that it's important for us to understand the truth of our disclaimer Somebody taught me that last week. It was great. I think. Is that straighter? <laughs> Whatever. And it doesn't matter. Just I know. You know what really bothers me? It's like the fourth week in row. I look at it and, you know, and, and we get. And we're getting, like, workman's comp liability, you know. we got people <laughs> filing claims with the labor board and stuff. They're going and saying, oh, and for a week they haven't been able to move their neck. So I'm trying to get it as straight as I can. So please don't. I just, yeah, I start talking like that. But then I go over here and I talk like this. So it really, anyway, if the basis of our rewards is works, what we do, then we need to understand what works are. That makes sense, right? So what we're going to take a look at are works... What are works? The problem is it's like everything else in the Bible. We hear certain things, we hear the phrases, and all of a sudden we don't have any idea. So if the Christian's works are what we'll be evaluated for, and if you remember, all of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ will someday appear before the judgment seat of Christ to have our works evaluated. Now if that is the basis of our evaluation, works are the basis of our evaluation, And if works are the basis of our evaluation, and it is works that God will use to evaluate us in order to reward us, then you would think it would be real important that we understand what works are. And for many of us, works are very confusing. And so as we go through it, I'd like to just share five facts about what works are. If you've ever wondered about this, what works are, what are works? If you've ever wondered, what are works? If I'm going to be evaluating my works, what are works? The first five things we'll discuss this morning are going to be facts about works, okay? Now, we're going to start out real deep. Ready? Some works are good, and some works aren't. See, this this group, you got to, like, I've noticed, like, every week, you, like, really start catching up, you start picking up momentum, okay? It's like, but I want to catch you before you pick and peak, and then that's it. So, I want to kind of drag you along slow. And I know this gentleman here from Moody is uh, not used to getting up early, so we we don't want to drag him in here, you know, plop him down and say, "Now listen up. That's not going to work. And I'll never have to worry about ever going to Moody on any kind of scholarship at all. (laughs) So, you ready? Number one, some works are good and some works aren't. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things while done in the body, whether good or whether bad. All right, you ready for that? Some are good and some aren't. Now the problem is, over the past week, over the past week, let me ask you this. How many of you have done good works and how many of you have done bad works? Oh, two hands, I see, it's a, you know, (laughs) real good. And for those of you who haven't raised their hand, look at the person next to you. <laughs> How many do you think have done good works and bad works? Look at that person. They look like a bad work candidate. <laughs> what do you think? Now the question is what are good works and what are bad works? See, I love this because, like, who, ro- who raised their hand? First time, first time. Oh, this is great. John, we'll pick somebody in the back. Do you mind, John, if I pick you in the back? Because if you stand up and you speak, then people will hear you because your voice will project. It'll carry forth throughout the room. Like, uh, did you say good or bad? Both. Both, oh, good. Bad. Good. (laughs) What should we ask him? What good one? Oh yeah, this is, Peggy went so, what were the bad ones? (laughs) Oh, you do? Oh, great. Yeah, if you don't find your list, uh, your wife will. <laughs> um, what, I mean, how many other people? Ah, man, this is, I don't want to put you on the spot, but. <laughs> Should I? Who else wants to volunteer? Who did good works, bad works? How do you know what the difference is? What are good, what are bad? Jack is laying on the floor back there. He lay down. I know you're still back there Jack, get up off the floor, I'm not going to ask you anything. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> what, um, what are good, what are bad? What are good, what are bad? What? bad works be not doing something for somebody in the body that you might have done Okay, would bad works be not doing something you knew you should have done, but you didn't do? And you should have done it, but you didn't do it, so that must be bad. But then you never did it, so that wouldn't be any kind of work. <laughs> I don't know. Good question. Yes? I think the noblest of the state in the world is the motivation for Christ. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a great answer. You know, I hate answers like that. <laughs> but, 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 you know, but it's a great answer, it really is. See, because I'm not that bright. I hate that when you give me those like real big words. and like the, It's a motive of the heart. If you do, uh, that which is done in the spirit is good, that which, which is done in the flesh is bad. Now, you know what that means to me? I have no idea what it means to me. <laughs> because, I mean, you start... You, see, that's those... Um, but you know what? And we know what it means. But the problem is that there are a lot of people that are in here today that don't know what that means, and I, and I don't want to not include you in on our conversation this morning. Don't you hate that when you go somewhere and they all start talking like in a foreign language? See, that's what Christianese is like. It's a, it's a for, not really, it's a foreign language. I mean, you walk in and somebody says, well, those deeds done in the flesh are bad. Those deeds done in the spirit are good. You're going... I remember the first time I ever heard anything like that. Flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. I mean, I was confused for life. I was thinking about going to like a psychologist and stuff, you know, but it's like those things in the flesh, Those are in the Spirit. Those are good answers. It's a correct answer, but the problem is there's a lot of people in here you have no idea what's going on and you're about ready to take this train that the judge was on and get out of here. And I know that. So what we're going to do is we're going to make this as simple as we can in English, okay? Look at um, Luke 14 a second. Give me an example. This is something we've already talked about, so it's not like you haven't been here. Unless you haven't been here. Unless it's your first time, then you haven't been here. So, your excuse. Luke chapter 14. Give me an example. See, now the question is, What is a bad work? See, here's a problem that I have. I want you to be thinking along with me. Here's the problem that I have. If one day we as Christians will face the judgment seat of Christ because of our position, okay, positionally we're going to be judged by Christ because of who we are in Christ, meaning we put our faith and trust in Christ, therefore we'll be judged before the judgment seat of Christ, okay? If we're going to be judged on good works and bad works, I a, see, I've got a problem with bad works. What, you know what my problem is? How about this? Think this through. I thought that there was no condemnation for those who were in Christ. I thought 1 John 1:9 meant if we sin as Christians, we confess our sin, we're forgiven our sins, that God no longer holds that against us, that he clears that from his record, it's gone, it's history, it's forgotten. See, my problem with this study of works is think this through for a moment. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and if bad works are sin, then He's bringing back up things He said it'd forget. That can't be. Could He lie to us? If He says, if you confess your sins, you're forgiven, I'll cleanse you from all of it, I'll wipe your slate clean, I won't even remember it anymore, It'll be gone as far as the east is from the west. If, if God says that when He forgives our sins, He no longer holds it against us, are you going to tell me that we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and He's going to start bringing up all these things that He said He forgot? Wow! That really bothers me. Does that bother you? It bothers me. That's what works are all about. What is a bad work? Is bad work sin? See, if you think bad works are sin, then you've missed the whole argument. Christ died. He paid for your sins. They're gone. They're done. They're finished. They're behind you. All things are gone. All things become new. So what is He going to judge us on? So when you're thinking, I did bad things this week, are you thinking that you sinned? Then confess it. God will forgive you. It's gone. You'll never have to worry about that evaluation. But what's a bad work? Luke 14. Give me an example. Jesus gave us an example. He said in, in verse 12, And he also went on to say that to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich friends, what? Lest they also invite you in return and repayment come to you. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay? Two works are presented here. Bad work, good work. Which one's what? What is a good work? What? Verse 14. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. It's the one that you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Good work. What's the bad work? Verse 12. What is it? You expect something in return. You expect repayment now. You're doing it as an exchange of services or goods. You're not doing it because you want to minister or help somebody. You're doing it for you scratch their back. They'll scratch yours. What will I get out of it now? That's why you're doing it. Yeah? It's interesting. You get a reward for both. One, one reward's on earth, one reward's in on heaven. Exactly. See, that's why I'm saying it. it's not sin. Did you hear that? You get a reward for both. Jesus said you will be repaid for the one now. If you do things as an exchange of services, then you may, you may be. You may be repaid now. If, you're do, you know, if I invite you to dinner, so you'll invite me to dinner, you may invite me to dinner, and I may be repaid or I may not be repaid but the chances are good that I I may be. Then I'll get my reward now. But if I do it to serve you, to minister to you, to help you, because you can't do anything in return for me, Jesus says, I'm taking note of that, I'm writing it down, and that is a good work. Why is it a good work? Why is it a good work? Because you'll receive a reward for it. Do you see the difference? Bad works aren't necessarily sin, Bad works are those things that you will not receive a reward for before the judgment seat of Christ. You follow me? Man, That's so important to know because you have to also understand the, the, the doctrine of forgiveness that God does forgive you if you confess your sins. There's no question about that. He'll never bring it back up again. But the question then is when I ask you, did you do good works or bad works this morning? Some works are good and some works are not good. Now here is the second fact about works. Do you follow that? Number two, good works are carefully chosen and bad works aren't. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. What is he saying? What is the foundation that Paul said he laid? What is the foundation that all works should be built upon? What? Jesus Christ is the foundation upon which all works will be built. They are going to either be built with precious things that last or with things that are temporary like we just talked about. I'll do this for you, you do that for me, that's a work, it's built on that foundation, but there's no eternal reward. It will not stand the test. Now here's the problem. Good works are carefully chosen. So you and I will never accidentally run across good works for God's kingdom. You hear what I'm saying? If you don't realize this fact, the chances are very good that you will never do anything that will be worthy of the judgment upon the evaluation of Christ that will withstand the test of fire, so to speak, His judgment, that will gain your reward. I'm convinced if you don't understand this fact, you will never serendipitously run into, gee, I did good works. Because Paul said, it is one who is carefully building upon that foundation. Let me give you a point. There are too many of us who are controlled by circumstances in life. We let our circumstances dictate to us what we do during the week. Busy, 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 busy. Got to fill this schedule, do that. Fill in this time, day timer. We've got to do this. There is no, listen up, there is no spiritual game plan in the majority of Christians that I know. There is no plan. There is no consideration. Remember what Jesus said in the uh, parable of the minas in Luke 19 we talked about it a little bit last week? What did he say? He said, here, to you I give so much. Go do business until I return. How many of you are in business? How many of you are in business? How many of you have like a business plan? Phenomenal concept. The banks all like to see them. Business plan. How many of you have business plans? How many of you are in business and you have no plan? You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're going to sell. You don't know how much money you're going to need. You don't know what cash you need to have on hand. You don't know what your payables are. You don't know where your receivables are. You don't know what your line of credit is at the bank. You just are in business. Because you've got a a great product. A good idea. you got a good idea. Are you in business because you got a good idea? See, Jesus said, Go and do business until I return. Meaning what? You better plan. You better strategize. You better have a market share that you're going after. See, we don't like to use words like this because you know what? It's too practical. I like all the christian things that don't make any sense personally. Because if I look at good works I say, you know what I going to ask you? What kind of spiritual game plan do you have in your life? What's your market share? Who are the people you're trying to reach for Christ? Do you have certain people that are on a prayer list? Maybe relatives, friends, people in business. Do you have a spiritual game plan? Or do you just go through life serendipitously? Hey, if I do something good for the Lord, that will be great. And if I don't, well, who? that doesn't matter. See, how does this evaluation change your life? Paul is very clear. He said that, you know what? Good works are those works that are carefully chosen. Carefully chosen. You only have so much time God gives you in each day. How are you using that time? Do you carefully choose that time? Are you doing works that are good or works that are bad with the time that God has allotted you? Because there's only two choices, good or bad. Good gets a reward, bad does not. you have a game plan? Do you have a game plan? What are you doing? We'll never stumble across good works. Paul made that clear. Fact number three. And it goes right in line with what we just talked about. Good works are eternally valuable, and bad works aren't. We are all building. I want you to notice something. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. I want you to notice something, and that is that each one of us are building on that foundation. If the foundation of your life is Jesus Christ, if you have come to know Him as your Savior, you have put your trust in Him, then you are building on that foundation whether you realize it or not. You are doing works that are going to be good and ultimately rewarding, or you're doing things that are bad and will never gain a reward. The Day of Judgment will clearly reveal what those works are. And you see, that's why it's so important to realize that they're planned. You will never do anything that will withstand this test if it's not planned, if it's not well thought out, if it's not strategized, if it's not prayed about, and if it's not implemented. Because God doesn't care what kind of great ideas you had for Him. The only thing He's going to reward you on is according to your works, not your intentions. Number five. Again, good works are clearly enduring, and bad works aren't. What are the possible outcomes? I want you to look at something. What are the possible outcomes of work? Oh, that helped. Oh, you know what? I don't care anymore if you turn your heads. Twist them all you want. Good works are clearly enduring, bad works aren't. If what he has built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through flames. Let me ask you a question. What are the results of works? Just look at it. What are the two results? One burns, one gets saved. One is good, one is bad. Is there any indifferent ones? Any in the middle? See, we always like this middle category. I, I can't, you know, so many people read the Bible, they get this middle category they came up with. Well, Jesus is, well, he's okay, but, I, you know, I don't, you know I, don't, I don't care one way or the other. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm neutral. Really? Um, neutral, have you ever seen a, an apple tree that's on the fence? I mean, kind of like s- sitting on the fence and, and, and hangs over one side. I mean, there was a, a guy that I knew who had an orchard, and he had an apple orchard, and this one tree sat on the fence, and the branches hung over, and the apples were over on this side, and then their apples were over on this side, which was his property. But over here were, was a, uh, the route that the kids took to go to school. And as soon as those apples turned color, they'd come by there and they'd start banging on that apple tree. And they'd take all the apples. They'd take as many as they could take every day. And the, and the farmer started to realize that this one tree just wasn't producing the fruit that all the rest of them were. And he got up early one day and he saw what was going on. So guess what he did? The next day he went out and he got there real early. And he started to beat on the tree before the kids got there to beat on the tree. So he can get the apples before they did. And he beat on the tree and they beat on the tree. And you know what he determined? That the tree that was along the fence was the most beat tree that he had in the orchard. And, you know, and I look around sometimes at Christians and I look at some of the most beat up people in the world and there's no joy in their life and you can't figure out what's going on. And you know why? Because you're trying to do both. You're on one side or the other. You're kind of hanging on the fence. You're not 100% for the Lord, but you're not 100% against Him either. You're just kind of like, there's no good works, there's no bad works, I'm just not doing anything. So you are beat up and the world looks at you and they go, that's real attractive. You're beat up. If that's all it takes to be a Christian, then I'm a Christian because I'm beat up too. Everybody's beat up. And you know why? Because we're hanging over the fence. There's only two possibilities when it comes to rewards. It's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. There's no middle. There's no along the fence because you're going to get beat up if you're along the fence. Now, let me ask you a question. What are the two things that are going to happen? What are the two things? Okay. Oh, reward or what? Loss. Have you lost anything? Have you ever lost anything? Lost something recently? Anybody? Lose anything? How do you feel? You still looking for it now? I see that agitated look on your face. What did you lose? I mean, have you lost anything? You feel pretty bad? Don't you feel bad? Your mind? Well, would help you find it, but... (laughs) That's all right. Yes? All right. Did that bother you? I can't see You know, that's a good one. That's a tough one. Misplace your glasses, have fun trying to find 'em. It is a lot because you don't have your lenses on and you can't see to find your glasses. And you can't remember where you put them. <laughs> and you can't ask your husband because he has no mind. There's a definite sense of loss that is occurring in this. Let's bow for prayer. um, But if you've lost anything, how do you feel when you lose something? Oh, here's a good question. Here's another one for you. You ready? I had somebody ask me this one. But I thought in heaven... I like this. I thought in heaven that there wasn't going to be any sadness. Right? No more tears, no more sadness. I thought in heaven there wasn't going to be any of that. So, if I really lose something, I'm not going to lose it anyway and I'm not going to really feel it because there's no tears or sadness in heaven. Follow the logic here. So, who cares if I do anything? This is good. I love it. I can justify right where I'm at. No sadness in heaven. No tears in heaven. How can you experience loss if you can't feel bad? Follow me? Now, see, here's what is real tricky now. Depending on your view of future things, eschatology, do you believe that the reward will be given to us when Christ returns at His second coming. If that's the case, and it's before the millennium, in Revelation 21, where Jesus says, I'll wipe away every tear and there will be no more sadness and there will be no more suffering and there will be no more loss. Let me ask you this. Is it then possible for you to experience loss at the second coming, the evaluation of, uh, of you before Christ, And then a 1,000 years of uh, reign of Christ kicks in before Jesus said there'll be no more suffering, no more sadness, no more loss. Do you mean there could be a possibility that you will feel bad before the evaluation that you go through? Because you're going to have a 1,000 years at least to think about that, to be involved in that. And let me ask you in Luke 19 for a moment when Jesus said, I'll put you in charge of 10 cities. And I'll put you in charge of five cities. What do you think he was talking about? What was he referring to? Responsibilities? You mean that because of what I do today, I'll be evaluated on whether or not God will give me responsibilities that I will have during the millennium? Will I be rewarded or will I suffer loss? Will I have a thousand years to kick myself in my spiritually resurrected bottom, as I've said, to consider what I've done or what I haven't done? before Jesus says there'll be no more suffering and there'll be no more sadness and there'll be no more tears. See, so a lot of you are going around saying, well, see, I can't believe it. I'm going to suffer loss or I'm going to feel bad because, you know why? Because there's no sadness in heaven. There's no suffering. There's no loss. But I can't understand this. If what he's built survives, he'll receive a reward. If it is burned up, he'll suffer loss. He'll suffer loss. Suffer loss. You suffer loss? You lose something? You suffer emotionally. You suffer because you've lost something that you could have had or had at one time and now you don't have. How can you suffer if there's no suffering in heaven? See how important it is to look at the future? What's going to happen in the future will determine what you do about it today. You got that? Life change. You know what Paul went on to say in 2 Corinthians 5.11? He said, Paul said this, Therefore, knowing the fear, to the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade men. Persuade them what? We tell them that, you know what? It does matter what you do today. It does matter how you live today. It makes a difference what you're planning, what you're doing, what your strategy is, because that's exactly what you'll be evaluated on one day before the Lord, before the Bema of seed of Christ. It makes a difference what you're doing now. So what are we doing now? If that's the basis of our evaluation, we need to understand works because that's exactly what this whole series is about. If you don't understand it, you're going to have a problem. People are, but you know what though? See, we don't have a problem today because people are so motivated to serve the Lord today that we can hardly find people that want to go and uh, take vacations or go down to the desert for the weekend or up to the mountains or hang out at the beach on Sunday. See, we're so motivated to serve the Lord because we understand this that we can't find anybody who wants to serve the Lord. Isn't that true? Every need is met that you can think of. There's no, is there any needs in your life or people around you that you can think of that aren't met because there aren't people willing to serve? I can't think of any. I mean, it's like... I God's program everybody's doing what they should be doing because they understand this truth when they understand this truth Everybody's doing something but see now we don't have a problem because everybody understands this truth So everybody's busy serving they're busy planning. They're busy strategizing They're busy doing good works that are going to get a reward because they really believe that that's going to happen Let me ask you a dumb question. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Let me just tell you something. Here's here's why you do what you do see if this isn't true Here's why I do what I do you ready? I do what I do because I believe that what I do, the results of what I do, are worth why I do it. See, I I tried to get you before you left, but too late. Why do you do what you do? See, why do you say you're going to do something, but you don't do it? One person asked me, he said, will I be rewarded on what I intended to do? And certainly was a sincere question, and we all know that God grades us on our sincerity. And and I just kind of went, let me ask you this. Do you get paid at work on what you intend to do? Or what you do? Well, well, that's not fair. (laughs) I would love to work at a place that would pay me on what I intended to do, but I was just too busy and never got around to it. So when I went in for the evaluation, I said, but I intended to do all these things. I had great intentions. Pay me. <laughs> get serious for a minute here. Can you imagine? We do that with God, though. It's like, well, Lord, I intended to do all these things. I really did, but, you know, I just got crowded out. You had all these intentions, but I didn't do anything because I just didn't have time to do it. So why do you do what you do? That's what we've got to look at. Why do you do what you do? Let me just go through this real quick, and I want you to see something. Did I give you a fifth one? Oh, you are paying attention. Well, anyway, it doesn't... I mean, fifth one, good works are rewarding. Bad works aren't. We already went through that, okay? Good works, you get something. Bad works, you won't. There we go. That's a time saver there, wasn't it? Okay, why you do what you do. you ready for this? Why do you do what you do? God bases his rewards on why you do what you do. And this is really getting bad. On why you do what you do, okay? So you get... You're rewarded according to what you do. Now, are you ready for this? Follow along with me, if you could, for a moment. There are innate desires in every one of us sitting here today. There are innate desires to do something. Okay? Each one of us that are seated here, there are innate desires to do. Uh, There are things that we want. There are things that we like. And there's nothing wrong with innate desires because, you know what, as created in the image and likeness of God, these desires are the same desires that God has. There's nothing wrong with innate desires. But innate desires, in and of themselves, are not enough to get you to do something. Case in point, how many of you have children? Children? They have innate desires, they want something, right? Now, is that innate desire enough to get them to do something to get what they want? Never enough. That's true. Innate desires are not enough in and of themselves. What does it take to get them to do something? (laughs) Outside influence. Parents, here's where we come in. Okay, outside influence. Our children have a desire. They want something. They have that innate desire. I want something. Good. What would you like? They tell you. And you say, okay, good. If you want that, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Outside influence. Let me encourage you to consider what? The potential for gain or for loss. Okay, now there are a lot of people who say that um, the potential for loss is a stronger motivation than the potential for gain. I'm not in here to debate any of that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Potential for loss stronger than the potential for gain? It's possible. I'm not here to debate it. Let's not even talk about it. But what I want you to realize is potential for gain or for loss is what is considered. So you talk to your kid and you say, okay, listen, uh, you want a car. Innate desire, possession. I want a car. Fine. Outside influence, folks. What do you tell them? Get a job. Unless you're from, who can I pick on this week? Villa Park, and then you, <laughs> and, and then you say, well, how much? <laughs> yeah, you know, I got always, you know, I get all these letters from Irvine and stuff, so I gotta start, I gotta, I gotta like balance it out a little bit here. Possessions, okay? Um, you know how gals from Newport Beach commit suicide? They take all of their clothes, they pile it on their bed, and they jump off. <laughs> okay? Irvine, Bill Park, Newport Beach. We'll spread it around. Okay? Desire. I want something, possession, outside influence, get a job. Okay? Potential for gain or loss. What does your kid think? How hard am I going to have to work? How long is it going to take? I think I can walk. right okay they think about it volitional decision to act right they go through the process and then finally they act on it that's not that hard right innate desires every one of us have innate desires and guess what i'm going to leave you hanging i'm going to leave you standing on the top of the clothes on your bed there are three innate desires in people Possession. Power. Pleasure. Anything wrong with those? Not at all. There's nothing wrong with those. There may be something wrong with those. But you're not going to know unless you come back next week. Don't you hate that? Especially if you were out of town. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Almost makes you want to move around here, doesn't it? And eight desires. Three of them. Possession. Power, pleasure. Is there anything wrong with them? Does God use those to motivate us? We're going to talk about it next week. Be here next week. Let's pray. Father, on the serious side, Lord, we just thank You for what You teach us in the area of works. God, I just pray specifically this morning that each one of us will realize that we will never do anything that will be rewarding, that You say will be good, that we haven't thought about, prayed about, strategized over, <laughs> cried over, sweated over. There will be none of those things that will ever be rewarded on that don't require that. God, you teach us that good works are always preceded by serious thought. God, I just pray this morning that each one of us, as we think about this whole concept of rewards, would just be motivated to the point of realizing that we need to get serious about our relationship with you. God, help us to focus our minds on a plan that will involve the people around us, whether it's our family, our friends, our relatives, our business acquaintances, that we can strategize and plan to do things that will be eternally beneficial and not just temporary. God, help us to get serious. Help us to stop just floating through life, coming up with cliche verses that will help justify our inactivity. God, we just know that there will be a day where we'll suffer loss and that we'll be real sorry that we didn't take you serious. And Lord, we, we just ask you to give us the strength once we make a decision to do that, the strength, the clarity of mind to focus in on things that are eternally valuable and not just pleasing temporarily. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.